Are you interested in understanding GOP-1 medications like Ozempic, Wagovi, or Manjaro? Then join us on The Plus Sides, Cracking the Obesity Code, the groundbreaking podcast helping people change their lives one episode at a time. The Plus Sides podcast is a disruptor. We're breaking down barriers, smashing stereotypes, and sharing inspiring stories that'll leave you feeling informed and empowered. Join us every week to learn from doctors who are specialists around GLP-1 medications like Ozempic, Wagovi, or Manjaro. They'll provide you with science and facts to validate these incredible stories. But that's not all. We'll also bring you the voices of the GLP-1 Manjaro TikTok community, real people who face the challenges of obesity related diseases and disorders and discovered the incredible plus sides of GLP-1 medications. Our episodes are filled with heartwarming stories, laughter, and moments of triumph. You'll connect with our amazing community members who are reclaiming their health and experiencing their fullest lives. Are you ready to embark on a journey of discovery and empowerment? Tune in to the plus sides cracking the obesity code and together we'll change the narrative around obesity and end the stigma. Subscribe now on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform platform and join our incredible community. Let's celebrate the plus sides of life together because every story deserves to be heard. Every life deserves to shine and everyone deserves access to expert knowledge and medication. The Plus Sides Podcast. You're not alone. It's not your fault. Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to Iveam, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy, and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. iVeam is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs. Producing Peptide Vite. It's the first daily natural vitamin to help support a reduction in the major side effects of GLP-1s. Peptide Vite supports fatigue, nausea, GI side effects, and promotes better metabolism. It is third-party tested, made in the USA in a FDA-certified facility. Peptide Vite is a game-changer all-in-one daily supplement. Pharmacist and physician formulated to be safe and effective. Use code PLUS20 for 20% off at zennutrients.com. It's time for a change rooted in lasting evidence-backed wellness. Say goodbye to unsustainable diet culture with Friday's weight management program. A nationwide virtual care platform built to address your biology. The reason why I started Fridays is that I noticed that patients with obesity are often improperly treated and told to eat less and move more. Well, the science is in, and we now know that obesity is a chronic medical condition like high blood pressure and diabetes, and that there are many factors, including your genetics, that play a role in the development of obesity. We understand this at Fridays, and that's why we make sure to order labs and specific medications that work with you and your biology. We're revolutionizing weight management, steering clear of weight loss fads, and embracing a scientifically driven approach. Our program charts a path to a healthier you, leveraging evidence-based treatments, nutritional support, and a team of specialized clinicians dedicated to guiding you towards optimal health. We ensure swift appointment scheduling and provide a knowledgeable insurance team for handling prior authorizations for GLP-1 medication. Fridays will also provide safe compounded GLP-1 medication alternatives with fair and industry-leading pricing. Our eligibility quiz will match you with the provider that corresponds with your medical needs. 
Go to joinfridays.com to begin your journey to a healthier you today. Welcome to season three of the Plus Sides podcast. <laughs> How is everybody doing today? Grand, I hope. Doing Getting good. Caffeinated. Getting the coffee. That's right. Caffeinated. Coffee time. <laughs> I've had two profies already. Is that bad? Yeah. I would I have had one and I would like another. Um, but it is uh yesterday was injection day. Uh so I went from being like, oh, I'm really hungry to going, mm. <laughs> you know. Please take that expression again, Kim. Mm, like mostly <laughs> mindful, mindful eating choices. But I did already have my profie and I may have another because of that pumpkin spice one, you know? It's so good. It's so good. Is it that premier protein pumpkin spice? Yeah, it's super. I don't really like premier protein usually, but this pumpkin spice one is the bomb. I like the coffee yeah. one. I put However, extra protein. If you would like to advertise on this podcast, we are open. Premier protein devotion. We're Gold. down. We're down. Fair life. Whatever. Right. Come for it. Come for us, please. <laughs> we yeah. gotta keep it going. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, yay. So um, today is going to be a little bit different, um, ladies. Uh, we are going to have on a special guest, someone who's actually gone viral that we've seen a lot in our community. Um, so we're excited to have him. Uh, and we're going to kind of just talk about all things GLP-1 and obesity and, and stuff like that, especially around perception and the struggles of people being able to get their medicine. Because uh, I say it all the time, I simplify it, sick people need medicine, period, right? So we're going to talk about that today. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then the girls and I will likely run our mouths a little, but we have Lydia on today, who people who follow us, obviously, and are diehards know that Lydia helps with us with social and editing and she's like extraordinaire, all the things, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so she's going to be in with us today. A lot of times this season uh, with all the growth that we've had and the other opportunities we've had to continue to spread the word and be a part, you know, um, both Janine and I specifically have been asked to be a part of changing um, and advising on how our community is treated in healthcare, which is incredible, like that we can be a part of that at all. And so because of that, we may not all be on every episode. So we're going to have swapsies and we appreciate your patience and kindness and know that it's because we're doing good things and we're doing advocacy. Um, I want to invite in our guest without further ado, and we'll go from there. Okay. What do you think when you hear people, you know, going on like, like that and sourcing Ozempic? So I absolutely understand why people do. They're desperate. They're desperate for treatment. They're not getting the treatment that they need and deserve. Because in so many places in Ireland, obesity is not recognised as a chronic disease. It's not treated like, as a chronic disease like we treat hypertension and asthma and COPD. Uh, whereas this is a very real and treatable medical condition. Uh, there is a, Why is it not treated the same because across I think, the country? Uh, uh, because of lack of awareness, lack of knowledge about the complexity, uh, about the dysregulation of appetite, the genetic links, about the neurochemistry of what's going on, about the environmental factors that influence weight. People are told all you need to do is eat less and move more. Mm. Uh, and with due respect to somebody with an eating disorder, that's like telling somebody with anorexia to just eat more. Like it's a gross oversimplification. It's absolutely stigmatizing. Uh, telling somebody who's got an issue with, with obesity uh, to eat less and move more is like telling somebody with depression to cheer up. 
It doesn't work. Uh, you, you know, blaming them, shaming them, backing them into a corner. People want treatment. They deserve treatment. They need treatment. They come to me uh, and you listen to their story and you listen to the effect that excess weight is having on their everyday life. And there's a difference between, you know, balking against diet culture and this kind of idea of body of, of the perfect body uh, and what's being promoted. There's a difference between getting rid of that. And we should be discouraging dieting because that is disordered eating. It is unhealthy. Uh, it is not sustainable long term. And it is not not a treatment for excess weight. Well, hello, Dr. McCrotty. How are you doing? Good afternoon from Ireland, or I think good morning <laughs> for you guys. So I appreciate yes, you yeah. uh, switching everything up and doing it early for my really incredible, uh, awkward time difference test that we have. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's not too bad. It's easier when we have on um, like UK, right? Because they because just the time difference is something but we had to adjust them too. Um, but this is a worldwide issue. So it's important, I think, that we talk Indeed. about it from all different perspectives. So we're so glad to have you. So for people that don't know you, I would, I would really like for you to share with us a little bit about who you are and how you help people. Yeah, so Mick Crotty is my name. I'm a GP, we call it here in Ireland, a general practitioner or family medicine specialist is my background. Um, I went to university here in Dublin, um, did a few years of study there, uh, specialized in surgery initially, but then got sense and decided to switch to family medicine. I uh, worked in family medicine for a few years and now I've transitioned to obesity medicine, which is my kind of passion and specialty. Um, mm -hmm. I was living in Ireland and moved to Canada for a few years. So the the Canadians um, disrupted me and corrupted me and got me more interested <laughs> in uh, obesity medicine uh, before then coming back to Ireland. So now I run a um, community-based medical weight management clinic um, here in Dublin. Um, so we see people all over Ireland. Um, because we're the only clinic of its type in Ireland, uh, specializing in obesity uh, in the community. There's other kind of surgical clinics in hospitals, but we're, mm -hmm. we're the only community-based clinic. So uh, we're trying to uh, drive things forward here. But again, I think meeting a lot of the same challenges and barriers that uh, people in other parts of the world are experiencing. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, a, it's definitely something we've seen everywhere, right? And we for sure have had from a global perspective, you know? Uh, we have to fix it, <laughs> like, you know, we have to fix it. Yeah, and I think, again, that's the value of, of podcasts like this and, and, you know, spreading good information because there's so much shit out there. There's so much terrible so information much and misinformation. Uh, yes. Anybody who has, um, you know, an account can say whatever they want. So it's, I suppose that's one of the challenges I see uh, when people come and see me is that, you know, we're dispelling myths, we're um, trying to clean mm -hmm. things up as far as misinformation. Um, and I suppose share an understanding with people of, of what the science and evidence tells us, um, because there's a huge gap between what we're um, conditioned to think in society versus what the science and the evidence says. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of a lot of that is sharing an understanding with my patients of those things and uh, listening to their lived experience and uh, I suppose understanding how and why you know understanding the biology of obesity explains their lived experience, uh, yeah. which is a major um, benefit because it it helps people understand why this isn't their fault, why this isn't an mm -hmm. issue with power or motivation, why it's much more complicated um, as far as why they're living with obesity. Yeah. That's awesome. I thank you for being that kind of doctor because so many of us just just don't have that. So many of us, I'm sure, again, worldwide, not just here in America, we have doctors who 
just they don't listen or they don't care to listen and they sort of just go with their like general training of like okay let's put you on a diet and just move your body a little bit more and you'll be better mm -hmm. and so thank you for being that kind of doctor that just just hears people out and is is interested in trying to sort of change the narrative and make the outsiders sort of understand what we're all going through the normies the normies exactly <laughs> non-metabolic issue people <laughs> I think it's, I suppose I, I'm probably like the uh, born again doctor. Um, I've probably fallen into every hole that a doctor could as far as stigmatizing and being biased against patients. Mm -hmm. um, because again, I wasn't aware of the science. I wasn't aware of the evidence. I didn't learn about this stuff in medical school. Uh, I didn't learn about it in my surgical training or my family medicine training. Uh, it's only uh, something I came to kind of myself in, in kind of uh, external education that I came across. So. I think that's why you know there's such a lack of knowledge and awareness of the science and the evidence uh, that in healthcare many people are just promoting the views of, that, that are seen in society um, you know telling people to go to diet clubs or to go on diets or cut out kind of you know certain macros that's the opinion of society and we're seeing that in healthcare as well whereas actually kind of you know supporting people and treating people you know often isn't happening we're not having the conversations and I think there's many reasons why we're not having conversations but lack of knowledge and awareness is a huge thing I think a lot of doctors are are worried, you know, about offending people by bringing up the conversation about weight. I think, mm -hmm. you know, there's a huge lack of, certainly in Ireland, we have a lack of time and resources. You know, we're usually putting out fires. Somebody comes to us with an acute issue and you're kind of treating that. Whereas actually kind of, you know, having a conversation uh, uh, about kind of some of these more general health is, is can be challenging. But um, I think for me, because this is education I came to kind of later in my career, um, it's like it's profound. You know, I think yeah. for me, it again, it helped me understand, uh, understanding the biology of kind of weight regulation, appetite helped me understand my own experience. And, and that's mm -hmm. how I kind of became interested in this area is that, you know, I had been on the diets, I had done all, like, and I think that's why a lot of people yeah. get into this area is that they have experienced kind of, you know, I'm relatively smart. I've been to university. I understand <laughs> nutrition to a point. Why in the name of Christ can I not yes. regulate my weight? Right. You know, and, and that's something, that's the frustration I see every single day in clinic. I have people who are incredibly successful people. Like they've knocked it out of the park academically, mm -hmm. professionally, in sports. Like they're absolutely winning in so many areas of life. And they're frustrated and pissed off. Why can't I manage my weight? Like I'm, yeah. I'm intelligent, I'm motivated, I'm dedicated. Why is that not working to regulate my weight? Mm -hmm. And when you talk to them like, it's because it's biological. It's because it's not something yeah. within your conscious yes. control. They kind of go, oh, well, actually, that makes a lot of sense. And then when you say, okay, this is what we mean by saying it's biological and, and we go into it, right. people kind of yeah. get it. Um, but the the frustration, you know, if somebody ever tries to tell me that a person living with obesity doesn't have motivation, dedication, willpower, like I'm in danger of swinging for them because yeah. when you see the batshit crazy stuff people do to lose weight, the misery-inducing horrendous stuff people do to lose weight like right. they're, they're these people are the most motivated dedicated mm -hmm. like yes. people you come across but mm -hmm. that's yes. that's not solving the biology no right i can honestly say that you just described me um mm -hmm. so uh full disclosure um since we didn't like do intros and explain so i've i've been on glp1s um since uh july of last year I've lost 95 pounds. I'm still losing, which is blowing my mind. I'm literally the size I was in high school because I have genetic obesity, like it runs in my family. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, there's always things that contribute to that, like trauma and things like that right in life. Um, and also our just complete trash food in this country. Um, 
but I am incredibly successful. Like if you were to look at me, you'd be like, she's killing it. That's exactly what you, I have amazing friends and, um, a, a kick-ass career and, um, amazing family and a beautiful son. And people say I'm a wonderful mother, but I always thought to myself, I get upset when I say, <laughs> sorry, but I always thought to myself that none of it really mattered because I couldn't control my food. I just couldn't, I couldn't control it. And, and it was, it was horrible because it was like, how does, how does that, I was always trying to remind myself of the value of these things, but it seemed so like the words I would use is like to talk to myself is just, that's so pathetic. That's so pathetic that you can't even control how you eat or what you eat or that you stick with a diet or that you stick with an exercise routine. And then as soon as I started treating the biology, all those things fell into place for me and the amount of, of, of capacity, all those things that were untapped, right? Um, I was able to apply to my life in other ways to now where I'm, I do brand stuff and I do, you know, obesity advocacy and I do, uh, I have a podcast and, you know, I have a platform on, you know, TikTok and all the places and people email us and tell us all the time how much this means to them. Mm -hmm. And that's all because I treated the biology and all that became unlocked. And so it's very difficult. And I know for us on here, when we see people who don't know that it is painful and it yeah. almost keeps me up at night mm -hmm. because of the false narratives that are out there. And so it's, I, I want more people to hear that because it's like you said, most people have tried everything mm -hmm. and they're willing to do anything because they just mm -hmm. want to feel of value and they just want to be healthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so sometimes you're doctor. saying that it's so nice to hear that. And I'm sorry. I got like, you know, I'm really good at making people cry. It's been my challenge in life. So my wife told me. I'm sorry. Don't, don't take it personal. She's an emotional Nelly. It's okay. I really and am. I, really I feel emotional. like all of us, like since, you know, and, and I we think we've all kind of touched on that, Janine included as well, that, you know, since sort of, sort of unlocking that key to like fixing the biology issue has like opened, it's, it's like, yeah, you're going to be more emotional because it's it's almost like it mm -hmm. opens up your mentality more or something like it gives you more room to like work on that stuff or yeah. something. I don't know. I don't know the science behind it, but it, yeah. it's, I know that I be, once I really started losing weight and, and feeling better in my body and like just being able to move around more and be more active because I lost the weight, like I've lost over 100 pounds. I, I'm more mentally clear. Yeah, I don't know any other way to explain it, but I, I don't either. It's incredible. Clear. Yeah. I wonder if it's the inflammation reduction. I can't help. We should totally talk about that. I, you know, like in general, I, the, the inflammation, like being I remember gone. when you switched to Manjaro and you said, wow. Cause wow. so just so you know, Dr. Crotty, she's been on all of them, literally yeah. all of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when she switched from Ozempic to Manjaro, like, what was it? Maybe two weeks. And you're like, Lydia, totally. like, my I actually like, felt it immediately right here. Like I almost had mm -hmm. tingling. Um, like when your foot is kind of like waking mm -hmm. up, you know what I mean? Um, from feeling just the reduction in inflammation, um, which is, I, I just can't help but wonder, like, obviously like inflammation is, you know, not good. Like, so it's, you know, it's like, so I mean, obviously we would love to talk about that, but um, before I keep going, Lydia, you do have like um, questions. And I just, <laughs> I do, absolutely. So, I you. 
over so there. So my big question. So the, the thing that the, the way that I found you was months ago, like I, I'm I'm a little I'm a little social stalker. So um I I I saw your interview with was it MTV News Ireland and you guys were talking about people just becoming very desperate and sort of sourcing Ozempic from like very subpar sources and like that they were doing it because of you know just being desperate to treat themselves, right? Um and so my question really was like we've seen it here in America where like people are now instead of going to like a, a general practitioner like yourself or going to a specialist or you know an obesity specialist um going to like med spas or like we've even had people come to us in our lives and say that they're buying it off Etsy okay of uh, buying it off very intense. And so we're starting to see that here. Do you feel like you guys still see that in Ireland just as prevalent now, or do you feel like it's getting better? Yeah, I think treatment in general um, is very, very difficult to access here um, for mm -hmm. lots of different reasons. I think, again, um, finding healthcare practitioners who have an understanding of it and um, who are open to talking about it is one issue. Um, accessing kind of life treatments, whether it is nutrition therapy, psychological interventions, um, kind of is very challenging with medications here. Um, we don't have the as many medications as you guys have in the States. We're a, a piddly little market on the edge of Europe and we don't get prioritized for a lot of stuff. So what we have available is less. Uh, it's all paid for out of pocket. We don't have the same kind of insurance situation you guys have in the States. So people pay out of pocket. So there's a huge uh, inequity where people who have money can potentially afford it more and people who yeah. don't have as much money who may benefit more for their health can't access it, which is a huge problem uh, for us here because it's kind of the inverse care kind of rule. You know, the people who need it most have least access to it. Uh, shortages are a significant issue. Uh, and they, that, I actually thought we were winning uh, as far as changing the narrative here up to about two years ago. And then since mm. medications have been short, uh, there has been a huge upswing of stigma and bias where people are going to pharmacies and they're being told, you know, you can't have that medication. It's licensed for diabetes. You know, you don't deserve it. This is, uh, you know, you're just using it for your vanity project where some of your diabetes really needs it because diabetes is a real medical problem, but you just need to eat less and move more. Like this, mm. this is what patients are experiencing when they're going mm. to pharmacies. And that, that might be after spending an hour with me talking through their whole history and coming right. up with a plan and then they're going to the pharmacy and in 30 seconds they'll be just cut down at the knees like it's it's terrible you know that, that it's happening so the stigma is a major issue as far as accessing treatment like bariatric surgery is incredibly difficult to access here in the public yeah. system which is kind of government funded it takes about four to six years to get into the public clinic and maybe another year to get to surgery in the private system even if you have health insurance it can be up to a year to get into the clinic yeah. um, another six months to kind of get to surgery so um we have a huge issue with medical tourism people going to turkey or latvia or different i was going to say i've seen that a lot of irish and surgeries um, going to turkey yeah and, and I suppose that that's where kind of my little bit of a rant on TV. I, I wish it was MTV. It was uh, Virgin Media, which is a different crowd. MTV mm -hmm. makes me sound much cooler and, and hipper. <laughs> if MTV still exists, uh, I don't know if it does, but anyway. Um, I think, yeah, I got in a bit of a rant as far as, you know, you can totally understand why people um, are seeking these treatments. Like, they're desperate for them. They've, they've spent their whole mm -hmm. life being blamed and shamed, being told this is their fault, and all of a sudden they're finding out in social media, not through kind of their doctor or kind of often through kind of, you know, regular channels. They're finding out that these treatments are out there and they're desperate to use them. The problem is 
you know, they're maybe not getting the information they need. So, so we have issues now with kind of counterfeit medications that are being sent in over the internet. We've, we've issues with people getting medications through social media channels, getting them sent from other countries. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know the quality. You don't know how they have been shipped and the, and the kind of supply chain. Um, we have people who are taking kind of lots of supplements, again, that are not evidence-based. Um, we have people going abroad for surgery. Uh, and I suppose what really terrifies me, there's, there's the issue of the quality of the product they're getting, you know, whether they're impurities, you know, there we are starting to see some of the compounded stuff here that, that I think is a big problem in the States. We don't know the quality of some of that stuff and how it's been produced yeah. uh, and things like that. Uh, the other issue is, I suppose there are people who are getting legitimate medication, but they're getting it from uh, maybe a prescription service. So they're kind of, you know, logging on and in five minutes they're getting a prescription for something. Yeah. And I suppose for me, the when somebody comes and sees me, the, the service is not a prescription. The service is sharing an understanding about obesity, assessing that individual and kind of how excess weight is impacting on their life and on their health, because that's the target of treatment. I couldn't right. give a flying sugar how much somebody weighs or what their BMI yeah. is. I care about how their health is affected. And that's what I spend most of the time talking about, because, you know, if somebody I could, you know, I have lots of patients who are, are might be a bigger person, but they don't have metabolic or medical impairment of health. They may have some physical functional issues and they may have some psychological kind of impairment of health, but they don't have every single complication. I have other patients that might be relatively smaller who have every fucking complication that can go with it. So it's, it's such a variable disease. It affects different people differently. Most people I meet don't come in worried about their A1C or their systolic blood pressure. People come in and they say, you know, I, I can't keep up the kids. I can't walk into a normal shop and buy something in my size. You know, right. my knees are sore, my back is sore. I can't. I'm having a hard time putting on my shoes and socks. I feel shit. I feel crap about myself, my body image, my sexual relationships. So it's the yeah. physical function and the psychological health and well-being. That, that's what I see every single day. Now, again, yeah. if you scratch the surface, they may or may not have medical or metabolic issues going on too. But what they're living with day to day is the stigma, the bias, the physical yeah. and psychological impact. And that's, you know, again, I suppose the psychological impact is not inherently the weight itself. That's diet culture and society and misunderstanding. Yeah. But again, there's lots, there's lots of effects weight is having on people that they're looking for treatment for. And that's why they're, they're desperate to access these treatments. And yeah. whatever the kind of new, new thing that comes along is they're looking for. It. But unless it's accompanied by the right information, so unless people understand, you know, that these medications, let's say medications, if we pick on that one, uh, they're not the answer for everybody. There is no cure for the chronic disease of obesity. There's treatment, right. there's management. Right. This is a lot, lifelong chronic disease management. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like taking an antibiotic or curing from, we're treating people to improve their health. Like that's what we're yes. at. And this is going to be treatment for the rest of their life. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's uh, I suppose when you're chatting to people, on one hand, you're telling them this is not their fault. This is, you know, neurohormonal regulation of appetite. This is reward pathways in the brain. So my caveman in my head is shouting and roaring more than the guy next to me. He's hungrier. He's less satisfied. He wants the good shit and he wants it all the time. Uh, <laughs> and when when I'm tired and when I'm stressed and when I'm pissed off and when I can't keep my eyes on the road, that caveman gets his way. And if you have, you know, the availability of ultra-processed calorie-dense foods that the caveman loves, my risk of struggling weight is much much higher so sure. i'm going i'm going to struggle so that that needs treatment um, but unless people understand what we're treating how we're treating them that they will require lifelong treatment that if somebody's on these medications they should be you know taking precautions not to become pregnant they shouldn't be used during breastfeeding these are the risks these are the benefits mm -hmm. when you give smart people information 
they make good choices. So right. my, my job is not to teach and tell people what to do. That like the, the idea that the doctor is the expert, that's dead. That's that's gone by the way, so it should be gone. This is collaboration. This is talking to people. How are you affected? What would you consider doing? Would you, you know, would you be open to considering surgical treatment, medication treatment, a life treatment? And then what's the right treatment for you at this point in your life? Because the right treatment for you in a year might be something totally different depending on what's going on in your life, depending on how you've responded to treatment. So, so Reed, like you got to talk to people, you know? So if somebody's just getting a prescription, that's not happening, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Time true. for a change rooted in lasting evidence-backed wellness. Say goodbye to unsustainable diet culture with Friday's weight management program. A nationwide virtual care platform built to address your biology. The reason why I started Fridays is that I noticed that patients with obesity are often improperly treated and told to eat less and move more. Well, the science is in, and we now know that obesity is a chronic medical condition like high blood pressure and diabetes, and that there are many factors, including your genetics, that play a role in the development of obesity. We understand this at Fridays, and that's why we make sure to order labs and specific medications that work with you and your biology. We're revolutionizing weight management, steering clear of weight loss fads, and embracing a scientifically driven approach. Our program charts a path to a healthier you, leveraging evidence-based treatments, nutritional support, and a team of specialized clinicians dedicated to guiding you towards optimal health. We ensure swift appointment scheduling and provide a knowledgeable insurance team for handling prior authorizations for GLP-1 medication. Fridays will also provide safe compounded GLP-1 medication alternatives with fair and industry-leading pricing. Our eligibility quiz will match you with the provider that corresponds with your medical needs. Go to joinfridays.com to begin your journey to a healthier you today. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just thinking about like the whole bit of it, and even you mentioned like the psychological piece, for sure. I mean, diet culture is a huge freaking problem here, and it is so ingrained. I mean, I was on my first diet at eight. Like, I, you know, it's, it's always been a thing for me, and I still have to like unwind that stuff in my head. Um, the one thing I will say is I know some of the studies have showed shown that um, that these medications have helped people with anxiety, and I had like debilitating, I hit it really, really well, but I had debilitating obsessive anxiety. And I was just very good at masking and like hiding how I was feeling. When I got to a certain level of these medications, it turned off like a switch. Mm-hmm. It, it was just over. And when I think about not going back, right? Like, I don't think like, oh, I can't go back to being heavy. That's not what I think about. I think about, I can't go back to being in pain and I can't go back to torturing myself. And I can't help but think that all of these things that I struggled with my whole life all came from this same dysfunction, you know, that was just never treated. I just kept treating symptoms, right? I kept treating the symptoms of the weight and the symptoms of the mental health and all of these different things. And then when I treated the biology of it, it seemed like everything started to align. And I, that, you know, it's not like, I think there's this like common misconception that you get on these medications, you just eat whatever you want. The difference is for me, and I we know many people in our community is, it's not I do eat whatever I want. The difference is I really don't want that other stuff that I used to want before. Yeah. I just don't care. I don't have all of these emotions about food anymore. And I feel like that's what 
the normies seem to be able to have more control over, right? Is, right. is those things, but I don't go eat fried chicken. I don't eat a bunch of mac and cheese. If I do eat something, I just eat a little bit of it. And I never feel like I'm restricting myself. So when people talk about like the easy way out, I think to myself, well, why not? The normal people can take that easy way. They have it naturally. Like, why can't I, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't think there are, they, people just think that like, oh, you're just starving yourself or you're this, this and that. And that's, I'm sure there are people that misuse the medication. I'm sure I know that there are, we meet them all the time and in, in TikTok and in our community. But I think for the most part, if people can consider that this is, if you treat the disease, right, <clears throat> then all of these things for many people start to at least at bare minimum, get in line to where they can be effectively treated. And I think like the mental health piece that you're talking about. So we had on Dr. Rachel, who um, actually consulted for the movie, The Whale. I don't know if you've seen that. It was pretty big in the States. And she consulted, she's a cognitive behavioral therapist. And we were talking about obesity and eating disorders. Um, we can talk about that openly on YouTube. They actually promote when you're talking about eating disorders in a healthy way. So um, we, we can't do it on TikTok. <laughs> um, but here we can. So she was, she was helping us kind of understand, you know, how all of that works, like with making these different decisions and choices. And it seems to me, and I'd love for us like to dig in with it. If you've got opinions, it's cool. And if you don't know, that's okay too. But it seems to me that it's almost like, again, like all of that was a symptom. So Kat and I both struggle from binge eating disorder or did. Um, I no longer do again, off like a switch. Um, I no longer have that problem. It's the freedom I've never had in my whole life. And of course, when that happens, you kind of want to be a GLP one evangelist forever, right? Because you've been tortured like forever. And then when it goes away, you just want more people to know about it. But even that in and of itself, like the control, I think is that part's addictive more than anything else. I just don't want, I don't want to not be in control of my thoughts and choices anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just, I was curious in general, when you were mentioning the piece about mental health, like what have you seen in that, you know, aspect in terms of treating See. people with this disease? Has it been really positive? Yeah, see, you've said lots of really interesting stuff there. Lots Sorry. of stuff like that. I could spend all day getting into. But like for me, I think it was it was kind of mentioned earlier. For me, uh, it is the headspace, the brain space that people have when they are not at some part of their brain just kind of constantly. Most people I meet don't have an issue with hunger. They don't, you know, they may have an issue with lack of fullness, but hunger is not an issue. But they often will tell me that they spend their whole day trying not to eat. They're restricting, mm -hmm. depriving. I thought, I'm not hungry. I'm just trying not to eat. I'm trying to restrict and, and lower what I'm taking in today. And that's yeah. what they spend the whole time doing. And that's going on in the brain all the time. I'm at a meeting, I'm mm -hmm. giving a presentation, but I'm aware there's something on that table and I'm aware, you know, what am I going to do kind of later on? And at some level of my brain, I'm trying not to eat all day long. Right. So when you treat somebody and when their biology and their subconscious brain changes, that caveman shuts up. He's less hungry. He's not satisfied. And for me, I talk to people about kind of, I suppose, biological treatment versus life treatment. So for me, yeah. biological treatment, shutting up the caveman, that's medication, that's surgery. That's treating mm -hmm. my hypothalamus. It's treating the underlying kind of uh, dysregulation of appetite and hyperactive reward pathways. If we do that, like it's so much easier for people to focus on, on the things in life that they enjoy, that your relationship with food. It's not about restricting and depriving. It's, I suppose it's like flicking a switch. It's not that I can't have it or shouldn't have it. I don't want yeah. it. I'm less hungry. I can I can eat something. I know it's not a disaster because I know you mentioned the word control. You could also use the word freedom. That it's that it's freedom. kind of you know that it's it just keeps me a little bit more between the kind of ditches you know on the road. It makes it easier for me to live my life without all that other shit going on in my head. That constant mm -hmm. 
noise, the I, people talk about food noise, the constant yeah. kind of blame, blame and shame. Um, so for me, like, again, we know that people living with obesity rates of depression are higher. A lot of people, you know, and I think it's, it's a bi-directional relationship that, you know, if I struggle with my mental health, that's a risk factor for increasing my weight. If I've got an issue with, with excess weight or, or obesity, uh, that can have uh, an impact on, on um, my mental health as well. So, you know, for me, like excess weight or obesity is not the cause of or solution to all the world's problems. You know, it doesn't cause every medical problem, but it can contribute to a lot of them. You know, so mm -hmm. so if I'm already struggling with my mood, my weight can have an impact on that. And if you treat people for the medical condition, in the same way as if you treat depression, like it just makes it easier for people to do the things they know they want to do. It gives them extra brain space. Uh, and again, we're obviously monitoring these things. You will never, certainly in my part of the world, you'll never see a positive article a positive thing in the media about medications or bariatric surgery or, or weight management you'll see kind of you know articles coming out because three people in iceland reported suicidal ideation uh, when they were on these medications now they are kind of people that's post post-launch monitoring of the medications and that's really important that that's looked at and monitored mm -hmm. and observed but we don't know what else was going on in those people's lives have they a history of depression have they a history of suicidal ideation what else is going on we know that they're, that they're more likely to have depression because they're living with, with obesity by virtue of the fact that they're being treated in the first place. But like we monitor for those things. And again, we know after bariatric surgery that rates of depression and, and rates of suicide are slightly higher than in the general population. Yeah. Again, again, because I suppose people adjusting to living uh, in, they're the same people, but they're living in a different yeah. body. And yes. kind of realizing that, you know, if my weight changes from here to here, Life is not going to be sunshine and lollipops. Like it's no. the same, you. The same mm -hmm. shit in life is the same shit in life. The boss yeah. who's annoying me, he's still going to annoy me. The bill that's coming is still going to be coming. But right. at least I'm doing it perhaps with, with an improvement in my health. But, you know, I think for people, and that's, that's a huge part of what we do is managing expectations as far as what people can expect when they're being treated. Because, you know, I think people who come for weight management, um, they, they often have an expectation or a goal weight or a target. And it's kind of saying, look, let's let's park that for the moment and let's focus on treating you with the best available treatment. We haven't a clue where things are going to end up. But all we yeah. can do is support you and treat me, treat you the best way possible, you know. Um, but but there can be a significant difference between where I will be with treatment and where I want to be or where I need to be for my health. So it's kind of managing that expectation gap is, is a huge part of this as well. So, you know, any, any clinic or any doctor who's promising you or guaranteeing you X, Y, and Z, they're full of shit. Like everybody is different. You treat people, people respond to treatment. The other thing, I'm, I'm on a total rant now, but the other thing that absolutely, I, I think to use the, uh, the term they're using kind of grinds my gears uh, is the, <laughs> this idea of success with treatment. Mm -hmm. success or failure like it's not success or failure there is a response right. somebody god god forbid somebody has cancer and they go for chemotherapy you don't you don't have successful chemo or fail chemo you have a response to chemotherapy and it either treats your biology or it doesn't so right. with obesity management we're treating somebody and they will respond to that treatment or they won't and it's not within their control it's their biology either it addresses the pathways in their subconscious brain that is regulating their weight and it facilitates them then managing other stuff in their life to facilitate weight coming down, 
or it won't. Because again, like there's nothing more um, devastating to somebody when they come and see me and I'm seen as last chance saloon. Like I'm your, you're my last resort doc. I'm coming in. I need this treatment. I've heard all about it on TikTok and I want to, I want to get the treatment. And then somebody doesn't respond and they're devastated because they, oh yeah, another thing I failed. I failed all the diets and I failed this. They haven't failed. No person has ever failed a treatment. Treatment fails the person if it's the mm. wrong treatment for them. And the problem is we don't, we don't yes. have the right treatment for everybody. So this is like, again, we need to share an understanding with people that, that, you know, everybody's different. You know, if Mary over the fences is on a treatment, she is going to have one response. I'm genetically, physiologically different from her. Uh, I have had different experiences in my life that, that have, you know, contributed to my weight issues. So we can treat people with the best available, but we need to kind of, you know, share an understanding that, that there's no guarantees and, and they're going to be where they're going to be. And it's not, uh, you know, again, people talk about like success if they get to whatever weight or a certain percentage of weight loss. Again, in my view, rubbish. Like this is, if we talk about the definition of obesity, obesity is not a body mass index. It is not being a certain weight. It is excess or atypical adiposity or fatty cells that mm -hmm. impairs health. Do I have excess adiposity? I and mean, we can define that in different ways. Does it impair my health? Like, I'm not walking down the street here in Dublin, tapping people on the shoulders, saying, come over here, you I want to talk to you about a medication. Like, it's people whose health is affected. They come and talk to me, and we talk about how we can improve their health. Because, right. again, there might be, you know, mm -hmm. I, I might somebody who meet somebody who's living in a bigger body, and they're quite a healthy person. They might have some issues going on. So it's not that they're not healthy, but I want to make them healthier, because we can all right. be healthier. Exactly. Sorry. The, I don't even know the analogy I, I use a lot about the biology part of it is that we're all playing on the same field, but we're all playing a different game. So like the field for us, like when we talk about it, like in our lives and like on, on the podcast, the, the field is the medication, right? Cause most of us that most people that come to us are on the medication. They're not doing Weight Watchers or, or what they've tried all those things already. Right. So like the field is the medication, but we're all playing a different game on that field because we all have different biology. We all have different diagnosis. We all lived a different life. Right. And so I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that so much because so many providers are just not, they're just not breaking it down to people like that. Like success, you, you know, the success that you might be, you may have might be different for Mary over the fence. Right. And, um, and again, for me, like it's a case of, so some people that come and see me response for them, maybe, and I'll keep banging on about that word response response for them might be stopping further weight gain. Right. Response for them might be an improvement in their headspace, their psychological well-being. Mm -hmm. It might be improvement in their blood pressure, blood sugar. And again, if I've actually mm -hmm. listened to them and listened to their story. So my, my first question to most patients I see, well, after I've asked them permission to talk about weight, to make sure it's okay with them. After I do that, the first question I ask them That's is, amazing. Do, that's that's amazing. You, <laughs> but I, I think I, they look at me as if I'm Asking stupid. Asking for permission. Me, to, yeah. Because they come to my clinic and obviously they, that's what they're there to talk right. about. But I think like we need to do that because again, you know, certainly in primary care or in wider society, not everybody is in a headspace to talk about it. Not everybody wants to talk right. about it. So not everybody's we, we, ready. we give lip service to patient-centered care, but that's the definition of it. You're putting the patient center, you know, are you okay if we talk about this? And it's okay if you're not, like that's, that's perfectly fine. So anyway, if we get permission right. to talk about it, my first question to people is, you know, do you feel that excess weight is having an impact on your life or on your health. And then you listen to what they say. Because I can't assume that it is, because again, you know what they say about assuming it makes an ass out of you and me. So <laughs> it's it's a case of, you know, I want to know if it affects them and if it does how. 
because that's that's what I'm treating. I'm treating that person. I'm not treating a number on the scales. You know. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, we mentioned um, when you're speaking, when you're, a doctor is asking for permission to to speak about your weight, uh, and um, I feel like in my perspective, it made me think about this. Is um, I always called myself the plus size fitty. I was always into fitness, very very heavy at 310 or 240. I ran a half marathon at 250, things of that nature. So the actual, I, having the opportunity to speak with a doctor who asks for permission first um, is, is, was, it was profound for me right now. So yeah. um, I've always struggled with um, doctors seeing me um, as somebody who worked very hard at her fitness, but it was always that number on the scale. Mm -hmm. And that's just profound, Wanda. Thank you. Yeah, it's awesome. I do remember one time, Kat, when I went to like a physical and I was in my like 20s, I totally understand. I'd never met this woman before. It was a new doctor. The first thing she said before hello was, your weight is a concern. It's the first thing she said. And even then I was young. I, I was very, I was in my 20s, you mm -hmm. know, and, and even then, like just like it was... I get why I get, like you mentioned, I think, you know, uh, Dr. Crotty, you mentioned that a lot of times, you know, before we really knew, and obviously like I'm old now. Um, so, you know, before we really knew that was how they treated it, it was a data point. It was the science that they had, mm -hmm. but the lack of empathy to, mm -hmm. to discuss what this meant to us. Like, I feel like yeah. they probably could have done better. And I, and I hope more doctors are apologizing for that. We've seen it more and more, and I'm thankful for it. And, yeah. and I, I, again, I suppose because I've, I've, you know, I've fallen into every hole there is to fall into. Like I've been yeah. that guy. And if I yeah. met you 20 years ago, I could have been that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was but you. I know it for already. Me, for me, it's a case <laughs> of yep. like nice. nobody, nobody goes to work saying, "Do you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go to work yeah. today, and I'm going to, I'm going to belittle people. I'm going to be a nasty bastard." To everybody. That's <laughs> what I'm well, some people do, but, but okay. well, he says you're going to the wrong people. But uh, <laughs> but I think a lot of people. I think it's because of you know the lack of understanding, the lack of yeah. knowledge, the lack of awareness about the biology, the lack of awareness about the complexity of the biological, genetic factors, the environmental factors that influence weight. There, we're just mirroring what's going on in society, and that's where yeah. we're giving this kind of eat less, move more um, approach. And again, you know, many patients that I will have, you know, will have had. Let's say they're seeing me, uh, uh, but in the past they might have had bariatric surgery, and they might be at a significantly lower weight than they were at before. But yeah. again, they're, the first thing they're told is you need to lose weight. And say, so, well, you know, you didn't see me before, Doc. Like, it's a case yeah. of, and yes. see how much my, my health has improved. And right. so, again, that's that's the assumptions. That's, you know, when you see somebody, like, that's weight bias is making an assumption about a person, about their, their lifestyle, about their eating patterns, about their physical activity, about their intelligence, uh, about their, um, you know, personality based on their weight. And that's a huge issue. Like we see in society, uh, your likelihood of getting a job, your likelihood of getting promotion, the pay gap that exists in the workplace, you know, the, the grades you're going to get in school are going to be um, different if you're living with obesity, if you're living in a bigger body. So there's a huge stigma and bias. And doctors, we are number one. We're number one on the list. Rebecca Poole, with you guys in the States, has done fabulous studies looking at weight bias and stigma. And doctors come out number one on, on the pile. Yeah. And again, it's ignorance, it's lack of understanding. <clears throat> I give a talk, I do a lot of, I'm, because I'm a GP by background, I give a lot of talk to GPs or family medicine doctors here in Ireland. Um, and 
I gave a talk a couple of weekends ago, and you can see every time I give a talk, 50% of the crowd is smiling and nodding and kind of they're engaged and, mm -hmm. yeah, this is awesome. Uh, the other 50% are scowling at me. Like, they're literally bulldog chewing a wasp, like really kind of looking angry, ready to pounce. Yeah. I had one of those people, and they get very aggressive. Like, they're affronted by this medicalization of something that's a lifestyle factor is what they would say. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, they would they would sit and I would talk for 40 minutes and they've obviously not heard a second word I've said. Clearly. Because they come, they come with these attitudes and these biases. And, and the thing for me is I know I cannot, I'm not going to convince everybody to appreciate obesity as a chronic disease. I'm not going to get them to understand people's lived experience if they haven't mm -hmm. had that themselves. But mm -hmm. I don't need them to. I just need them to park the bias at the door and treat people fairly and justly. Yeah, so again, I think if people fair... take a beat, right? Like, mm -hmm. okay, I know I'm going to talk about this. I know how I feel. I feel. Maybe I uh -huh. should just ask if it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, like we... just the just the very. I love that approach. I love that approach. Like we, we do we do a lot of work in medical training here about parking bias. So whether it's bias yeah. about mental health, bias about stigmatized conditions like HIV yeah. or or uh, things like yeah. that. Like there's been like in the past, you know, uh, uh, stomach ulcers were seen as an issue with stress and and kind of, you know, a weakness. Then we said, oh, no, well, actually, there's bacteria in the stomach and there's all these things in our environment that have an right. influence. Now we've got a treatment that works. Well, it's no longer your fault if you've got a stomach ulcer. It's not that you're right. just kind of an anxious person. It's a medical condition. And again, mental health, where were we with that 20, 30 years ago as far mm -hmm. as, as a medical condition? It's still somewhat stigmatized, but we've done a lot of work on that. So again, you know, people need to park their bias, treat people fairly. If they're not in a position to offer treatment, then offer them a referral. But again, back to that assumption, yeah, yeah. assuming that somebody who's living with obesity is not motivated because they haven't lost weight or, you know, making them prove that can, they can lose X amount of weight before they can access a treatment, like all this kind of rubbish that's happening, like that, that's a huge issue. But again, like it's, it's I would see it as, you know, these treatments, particularly the biological treatments, such as medication and surgery, mm -hmm. they're an affront to people, particularly people who have no lived experience of excess weight. You're questioning their values about themselves because they feel, I don't have an issue with weight because I'm motivated, I'm dedicated, I'm better. Right. And you're saying, oh, no, 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 no. You just have different biology. Like you said, you're playing you're playing the same game, but you just got a different set of rules than, than, mm -hmm. than I do. That's why you don't struggle. That's what I do. And if we treat this person their rules will be more similar to you and then they won't have as much of an issue. But that's an affront to people's ego because you're getting down to how they believe about themselves. You know, they believe I don't have an issue with my weight because I'm better, I'm stronger, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm more dedicated, I have more control, more willpower. You don't, you've got different biology. You know, one time I, yeah. so I, work, I work in tech and one time we, so there have, they have these like ways of build, building things, like well, ways of building products. And for a very long time, it was this method called waterfall, which actually turned it to be a hot mess um, and very slow and not able to move as to technology started. So they created this new one called Agile Scrum. And I went and got trained on how to do this. And the guy, the first thing the guy said is when he was talking about this new way, like 50% of the people had their arms crossed like this. Right. Right. Because they were PMPs or whatever. And they had spent years and hours and all these things of training. And he said, I know this is a lot, but I want you to uncross your arms and open your mind. And then we can have a discussion about how much better this is going to work, you know, and that made everybody go, 
uh, like it was sort of like calling them on their shit. You know what I mean? And and I think that in a way, doctors may need to hear that sometimes, you know, or, or clinicians in any way, you know, mm-hmm. let's just consider like one of the coolest things I ever heard you said was it is literally like telling somebody with depression to cheer up, mm-hmm. which is we now know is insane. Like that's like, absolutely ridiculous and dismissive. And there's nothing that, that ever says that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. yet we're doing the same thing with people who struggle with obesity, you know? So I just, I love that you, that you said that. I don't, I wish more people would hear that. And you know what? They're gonna, Hey guys, mm. Dr. Carney said that. <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm, I, 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 you know, you, you pick up things from, I pick up most of the stuff I pick up is from patients I talk to. Um, yeah. And most people say, you know, I know what to do. I just need to do it. You know, yeah. I just, you know, and, and and it's a case of and like every single patient, like, People that I see, I could lay out a table of food in front of me and say, listen, rank those now by calorie content, macro content, glycemic index, like yeah. how much your blood sugar is mm-hmm. going to change, whatever. And they'd have no bother. Like they could yeah. write the book on dieting and restriction because they've been done, been that, mm-hmm. been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Yes. But again, that information about food is not a treatment. And I think that's the other thing that that's missing in healthcare and society is mm-hmm. the difference between prevention and treatment. Yes. So again, you know, regardless of our size, we should all be focusing on healthy eating. We should yeah. all be focusing on physical activity because that's right. just good for our health. We'll live right. longer. We'll feel better. Uh, and it has some value in preventing weight increase, but it's not a treatment for the chronic disease of obesity. If we're talking about treatments, yeah. we need to be talking about surgical treatments, medication treatments, life treatments. Uh, yeah. And we need to be kind of supporting people. And I think increasingly, as we get better biological treatments and better access to surgery and better access to medications and more right. powerful medications, I think the role of the life treatments, the nutrition interventions, the yes. behavioral strategies, the role is changing. They're adjuncts. They're add-ons for mm-hmm. health. They're going to make me feel better. They're going to help me get my kind of, you know, the 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 right um, uh, nutrition for my body. They're going to support yeah. me. But they're not treating the underlying disease, the no. medication, surgery, the biological the same way as I think when I'm communicating with doctors and, and, and with many people in clinic as well, it's a case of like, we're not reinventing the wheel here. We're just doing what we're doing for other chronic diseases like yeah. hypertension or like asthma. You know, you wouldn't tell somebody with asthma to just kind of, you know, stop coughing, take a deep oh, breath. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just right. Breathe, you know? Just breathe. Like if, if I'm seeing somebody for high blood pressure, absolutely, I'm going to talk about salt intake and stress and sleep and physical activity won't stop me putting them on a blood pressure tablet if I don't want them to have a heart attack or stroke if they're if the life interventions aren't aren't effective for them. So again, the same the same principle should apply. We just need mm-hmm. to start applying that to the chronic disease of obesity. Say goodbye to restrictive weight loss methods and hello to Iveam, the number one prescriber of GLP-1 medications. GLP-1s curb cravings, stabilize blood sugar, increase energy and balance A1C levels to regulate your body and kickstart your weight loss journey. IVEAM is committed to making medical weight loss accessible, affordable, and customized because we believe that's how it should be. Sign up for free and get 20% off our accessibility programs. Producing Peptide Vite. It's the first daily natural vitamin to help support a reduction in the major side effects of GLP-1s. Peptide Vite supports fatigue, nausea, GI side effects, and promotes better metabolism. It is third-party tested, made in the USA in a FDA-certified facility. Peptide Vite is a game-changer all-in-one daily supplement. Pharmacist and physician formulated to be safe and effective. Use code PLUS20 for 20% off at zennutrients.com. It's time for a change rooted in lasting evidence-backed wellness. 
Say goodbye to unsustainable diet culture with Friday's weight management program. A nationwide virtual care platform built to address your biology. The reason why I started Fridays is that I noticed that patients with obesity are often improperly treated and told to eat less and move more. Well, the science is in, and we now know that obesity is a chronic medical condition like high blood pressure and diabetes, and that there are many factors, including your genetics, that play a role in the development of obesity. We understand this at Fridays, and that's why we make sure to order labs and specific medications that work with you and your biology. We're revolutionizing weight management, steering clear of weight loss fads, and embracing a scientifically driven approach. Our program charts a path to a healthier you, leveraging evidence-based treatments, nutritional support, and a team of specialized clinicians dedicated to guiding you towards optimal health. We ensure swift appointment scheduling and provide a knowledgeable insurance team for handling prior authorizations for GLP-1 medication. Fridays will also provide safe compounded GLP-1 medication alternatives with fair and industry-leading pricing. Our eligibility quiz will match you with the provider that corresponds with your medical needs. Go to joinfridays.com to begin your journey to a healthier you today. Are you interested in understanding GOP-1 medications like Ozempic, Wolgovi, or Manjaro? Then join us on the Plus Sides, Cracking the Obesity Code, the groundbreaking podcast helping people change their lives one episode at a time. The Plus Sides podcast is a disruptor. We're breaking down barriers, smashing stereotypes, and sharing inspiring stories that'll leave you feeling informed and empowered. Join us every week to learn from doctors who are specialists around GLP-1 medications like Ozempic, Wegovy, or Manjaro. They'll provide you with science and facts to validate these incredible stories. But that's not all. We'll also bring you the voices of the GLP-1 Manjaro TikTok community, real people who face the challenges of obesity-related diseases and disorders, and discovered the incredible plus sides of GLP-1 medications. Our episodes are filled with heartwarming stories, laughter, and moments of triumph. You'll connect with our amazing community members who are reclaiming their health and experiencing their fullest lives. Are you ready to embark on a journey of discovery and empowerment? Tune in to The Plus Sides, Cracking the Obesity Code, and together we'll change the narrative around obesity and end the stigma. Subscribe now on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform and join our incredible community. Let's celebrate the plus sides of life together because every story deserves to be heard. Every life deserves to shine and everyone deserves access to expert knowledge and medication. The Plus Sides Podcast. You're not alone. It's not your fault.